I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the most anticipated movies of 2021. Movies are back, sort of, with dozens of releases delayed in 2020 due to COVID-19. This year figures to be one of the busiest in movie history. From Marvel's return to Dune to a Beatles documentary to surefire Oscar contenders, we and you have a lot to look forward to. Let's break it all down right now on The Big Picture. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase, every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is supported by H&R Block. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Amanda, Happy New Year. How are you? Well, Sean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see your face. I haven't seen your face in 2021, actually, until this recording, I think. So, um, you know, small blessings there. You look great. Thank you. You look great, too. Uh, as we... Near the end of the American experiment, uh, I've been looking for things to distract me. And we have so many things theoretically to distract us. But before we start listing things, I wanted to get your thoughts on unscientific but but profound feelings on whether or not we're going to get into movie theaters in 2021. Just, uh, you know, you don't have to extrapolate about the history of the pandemic more. Just do you think we're going to be back in theaters or do you think that the normal that we had last year is the new normal. I don't think we're going to be back in the same way. And maybe I should just speak really personally here. I, I would be surprised if I were back in a movie theater in 2021. And that has a lot to do with where I live in Los Angeles, which is going through just an absolutely terrifying spike in cases right now. Um, that has something to do with how Los Angeles has handled the movie theaters. That has something to do with kind of my personal preferences and, you know, all, all, all of the above. But I probably won't be like, I, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to be there for, you know, Top Gun 2 with the theme song blaring and like a ton of people cheering, which is a, a loss. I more generally who can know. And I was thinking a lot about um, the, the tone of this podcast that we're about to do, because we would like it to you and I love movies. And I think we use movies as both an escape and as a way to like channel our feelings and explore the world and connect with other people. And we've been trying to do that through the pandemic and we're going to continue to try to do that. But obviously there's a lot going on in the world. Um, and there's a lot going on in, in movies. And are we going to be able even to see all of these or all of these movies going to be able to finish production? Like, will they be released? Like we, we still don't know. I think we were all hoping for 2021 to be this, like turning the page and look, everybody we're back and movies are back. And like, Fuck you, 2020. And, um, you know, not so much so far. So we're going to do our best, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm not. I, I tend to agree with you. I think there won't be a, a return to full blown normalcy. I do think that we've seen in the last six to eight weeks what it can look like when movies don't go into movie theaters. And in some cases, that can be fine. We can have huge movies with massive expectations and we can see them at home. And in theory, that works for these massive corporations that put these movies out. So it, it works for the corporations and it works for you and me and apparently no one else on planet <laughs> Earth. So yeah. I, like, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of something like Soul, that really worked, you know, that really worked for and if whether you like the movies or don't like the movies, you, you're going to be able to see them. And I think that's what's significant here. But to your point before, it's a little hard to know. It's going to be hard to get things right. We Last year when we did this episode, we were, we were deeply wrong. Um, most of the movies that we said, hey, this is going to be awesome when this movie comes out. Most of them didn't come out. I think six of my 10 just were not released. Um, and I think some, 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 somewhat something similar for you as well on your 10. And so caveats abound here. There's no guarantee that any of the movies we discuss here are going to come out. In fact, just before we started recording, I saw that there, the information was shared that the new J- Damien Chazelle film, Babylon, which I'm, I'm very much anticipating, which I think stars Brad Pitt, and mm-hmm. it was Emma Stone, but Emma Stone dropped out. And who is it now? I believe it's Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, which is a, a, an old Hollywood tale, was supposed to come out, I guess, in, on Christmas of 2021, and then was just moved to Christmas of 2022. And I, Christmas of 2022, that may as well be 2049. You know, I, I might as well be a replicant in Blade Runner thinking about the world in 2022. So... Like I said, lots of caveats here. There's no way to know for sure when things are actually coming out. There are some things that we've already seen that are coming out soon that we'll probably talk about on, about on this podcast soon, which I look forward to. There's a Tiger Woods documentary this weekend on HBO, which is fascinating and good. And you and I will probably have a long conversation about it on Monday, which is mm-hmm. great. Uh, and One Night in Miami and Minari and The Father and Zola and a whole bunch of other movies that we have talked about over the last two to three months as award season. Hmm, I don't want to say heats up. It's not award season. Is, what is award season doing right now? It is just guessing like the rest of us. You know, this week, the Grammys were delayed from, I believe, the end of January to mid-March uh, because of the surge in Los Angeles. And, you know, I, perhaps late January was optimistic to begin with, but I, the people who watch these things suggest that maybe that's not the last shift in the awards season. So that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, I love my, my schedules and my spreadsheets, and I was looking yeah. at the long-term schedule for the big picture. April 25th is the Oscars, and, you know, I'm dutifully typing last night at 11 p.m., you know, live recording big picture after show. And then I sat there and I looked at the computer and I thought, will, will this happen? Will we be doing a live podcast on April 25th after the Oscars? And if so, how? Because it does seem hard to believe that's only, you know, three and a half months from now. It's not so far off. And if the Grammys are not ready to go at the end of January, then I'm not sure how the Oscars are going to be ready to go at the end of April. But Maybe there will be increased innovation. I have faith in Steven Soderbergh to iterate on what we've done wrong in the past. Um, so there's a bunch of movies that we've already seen. I would say I've probably seen 15 to 20 2021 releases, some of which are great, some of which not so great as per usual. But there's also a lot of stuff that you and I haven't seen that, that frankly doesn't feel real, some of which is just left over from the 2021 slate. You want to you wanna start this off by uh, starting your top 10 Films of 2021, we hope. 
This is so sad. My top, <laughs> my number one, my first film, the most anticipated of 2021, was also my most anticipated film of 2020. <laughs> just a little film called No Time to Die, which was oh. supposed to be released in April of last year. And we still don't, it's supposed to be released in April of this year. Like, we'll see, man. I don't know. I I love James Bond movies. I love Daniel Craig. I love Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Like, I, I'm excited to see Ana de Armas. I, I don't know. I've got serious doubts about this one coming out on April 2nd. Serious doubts. Damn it! <laughs> I do too, but it just... God. Uh, what a strange exercise we're doing on this show. Uh, I, I think this movie probably will come out this year. Obviously, vac- vaccines are being distributed, and maybe not at the rate that we would like them to, but April 2nd is very soon. Um, so, for, you know, it wouldn't stun me if in the next six weeks we saw, oh, actually, this is moving to the fall. But this is a movie that, you know, MGM and, and, and the Broccoli family really wants to be in movie theaters and uh, around the world in movie theaters. So... Hopefully we get it in the summer, the fall, sometime this year. I mean, I do think MGM needs money. That's the only thing that's kind of giving me hope that maybe I'll see it at some point because eventually someone is going to be like, sure, you want to give me 50 bucks to see this movie? Like, I don't have any other options. I'll take it. I I have to make a confession to you. Um, yeah. I asked you for 10 films and you, like a, the great student that you are, picked f- the movies that were left over from last year and then you... You know, you controlled yourself. You picked five other movies and you said, okay, here's five new films that I wasn't aware of last year that I'm I'm doing now. And yeah. um, I I don't have that level of restraint. So I picked a bunch of new movies from 2021 and and leftovers. So okay. I don't want to spend too much time on my leftovers because I have spoken about them in the past. And they're frankly not as interesting as your leftovers, but I'm gonna very quickly identify those before sharing my first movie. Okay. Okay. Last Night in Soho, the Edgar Wright movie, is supposed to come out on April 23rd. I really hope it does. Love Edgar Wright movies. Eternals, Chloe Zhao, Best Director Frontrunner at the Academy Awards has a Marvel movie coming in November. Extraordinary time. Hopefully that comes out. Dune. Heard of Dune? What is that? Dune is Denis Villeneuve's adaptation, I guess part one of Frank Herbert's legendary science fiction novel that was going to go to HBO Max, but now maybe isn't, but we have no idea and we will see October 1st. Can I ask you one question? Do you think that Dune would be more successful if they just called it Big Worms? <laughs> big Big Worms? <laughs> big I think Worms, th- that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's the porn parody of Dune. Big okay, Worms. Like, again, I rest my case. <laughs> okay. Um, After Yang is a movie I talked about last year by Kuvanada, who made a wonderful film in 2017 called Columbus. I'm looking forward to that. Blonde, which is the adaptation of the Joyce Carol Oates novel by the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford director Andrew Dominic, which is a Netflix movie that I hope is coming out soon, starring Anna de Armas as Marilyn Monroe, and Memoria by Apichapong Virasuthakul, which is a movie coming out from Neon. Um, that's a Thai filmmaker who has made some of the best movies of the 21st century, including Uncle Boonmi. So, I talked about all those movies last year. I hope they come out. Some of them are dated, some of them are not. The first movie that I know for a fact is coming out and I am fired up for it. And we are, I'm putting together hopefully one of our more fun episodes of the year is called The Little Things. Little Things, I think is a nice sweet spot movie for me and you and Chris Ryan. And I'm, I'm calling out Shea Serrano right now. I want him to come to an episode of this podcast because it stars Denzel Washington as a retired cop hunting down a serial killer who may or may not be played 
by Jared Leto. Let's go. Let's go. Garbage Crime is back on the big picture. And this movie is coming directly to HBO Max, January 29th. I'm really excited about this movie, Amanda. I'm ready. This is going to be our triple frontier of 2021, except hopefully other people besides us will like it. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> though it's sad, even though Triple Frontier, I have such fond memories of seeing it. We, I saw it with you and Chris Ryan and my husband all in one of the Netflix theaters. And Chris Ryan was like handing out Twix bars ahead of time. And somehow <laughs> he denied Zach a Twix because Zach said something offensive. And then we all got really hyped for the movie. So, you know, maybe we can recreate that virtually. That sounds fun. A Zoom Twix hangout uh, ahead of the little thing sounds really exciting. I mean, that's a movie that's coming out in three weeks, which is great. You know, there's a lot of complications about the HBO Max decision, some of them which I don't agree with, some of which I think are wonderful for consumers. This one in particular, A+. plus. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's next on your list? What is next on my list? Oh, yeah, we already talked about this. Can we just, let's just play the theme song. Let's just play the theme song very loudly. And then I will just speak here about how I am looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. And I enjoy very loud, dumb pieces of entertainment. And I hope that this will also be loud and dumb, even if it has to be loud in my own home. Thank you. Speaking of studios that need money, Paramount needs money. Paramount has been selling their movies like uh, like wildfire in 2020. You know, they sold off the trial of the Chicago 7. They sold off the United States versus Billy Holiday. They sold off a gang of their movies. They're holding tight onto Top Gun Maverick because they know, because they've probably been listening to this show, Top Gun Maverick equals money. It equals the money of you and me, of our producer, Bobby Wagner, who is probably more hyped for this movie than anybody mm-hmm. on earth. And uh, boy, I hope we get to see it. July 2nd yeah. is the date. Yeah, July can 2nd? I note also that July 2nd is the alleged release date for the, the new Minions movie, which I've made a bit out of. And so oh that's just like a very exciting day for me personally. Wow. You got to drop an edible at like 7 a.m. and just hit the movie theater. That's going to be a when huge we, day for you. I just want to go visit the giant Minion. I just like we have to. <laughs> so go. I will know that everything is safe and <laughs> that like the world the is back. No, that's true. I know. And you all know, I, I moved. And so I have like a different view of the Minion now when I'm driving home on a different freeway. It's kind of more of a side profile. It's very regal. No, but like when everything is okay again and everyone is like, you know, and public health and safety is back where we want it to be. I will make a pilgrimage to the Minion after taking a bunch of edibles and I'm really excited about it. So, okay. You've threatened this in the past, <laughs> but I don't, what when you get to the minion, what happens? Is it like visiting the Taj Mahal? Is it like unfortunately I've never visited the Taj Mahal either? I would really like to. Maybe that'll be number two when <laughs> health and safety is back. Is like I'll see the minion and then I could see the Taj Mahal. That would be a wonder. Um, no, I wanna just like go see it and kind of like pay my respects. I, I just have some curiosity about it also because I've never been. I believe it's on uh, the Universal Studios like amusement park area, but I don't know where I've never been there. I've been to the movie theater, but so I just like want to understand how the minion like interacts with the space. You know, I wanted, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's really funny to me. It's like, it's very funny. If you've ever driven past it, it's just this giant dumb minion staring at everyone. And that makes me laugh. I, I assume you've never seen the animated series Animaniacs which was a, a Warner Brothers. Anime. Yeah. You know that show? Crazy too. No, I just know the theme song. I mean, I, and I kind of know what they look like. 
if there's a clearer sign of the brain poison infecting young children, it's you learning the theme song to Animaniacs having never seen the show. I probably did see it, but I just don't remember it, you know? I bring it up because the premise of the show is there are three, there's two brothers and a sister, and I don't even know what creatures they are. Are they cats? Are they dogs? I can't remember. It was a great show. It was like a subtle parody of Hollywood. And those three characters lived inside the water tower on the Warner Brothers lot. And everything that happened happened on the lot, essentially. And it was a, you know, it was a riff on movie production culture and and movie history. Part of the reason why I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. But I think even though there's a new iteration of Animaniacs on Hulu right now, I think we should remake it with you living inside of the Minion. Just, just, (laughs) Just alone. Okay, are you in? <laughs> okay, that's great. I'll wear the little overalls. <laughs> oh, see, so you, you love Animaniacs. <laughs> no, that's the Minions. There's a Minions guy that wears the overalls. Also, when, you know, on the 95 movie draft, when I was trying to explain like the glasses I had when I was 10, they're like, basically, they were Minions glasses. That's that's the technology we had in 1995. So but that, that Minion was a proletariat, a member of the Minion working class. Right, and that was me. why he had to wear those goggles. And that wasn't you when you were 10. No, I, I guess the Minions Rise of Gru is about me because I think Gru is a villain, right? Wow. The real life version of Minions. You know, when we make the, when we make the Lord of the Rings version of Minions and uh, you play Gru, that's, that's going to be a bad beat. Or it will win me my Oscar. Good point. Speaking of Oscars, my next film that I'm anticipating is called Judas and the Black Messiah, which is uh, quite a significant stretch away from Minions. Um, This is a docudrama slash biopic about Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party in the late 60s in America. It's directed by a guy named Shaka King and is produced by Ryan Coogler, who you may know from Black Panther Creed and a number of other great films. This is a very serious, exciting um, awards contender, honestly, uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. And I don't want to say too much more about this movie, but um, it's a very exciting movie and I'm looking forward to everybody in the world getting a chance to see it on HBO Max on February 12th, which is fucking crazy. This is the other, this is the flip side, I think, of the Wonder Woman 1984 thing where we're like, wow, a blockbuster in our homes. Judas and the Black Messiah is, no, is the different kind of a film where it probably would have opened in somewhat limited release for a week or two weeks or three weeks. And then it would have started to expand wider and wider and slowly but surely, people would have gone to see it. I don't think it would necessarily would have been a, a massive box office success film. But then three or four, six months later, depending on how it doesn't during award season, more people would have gotten a chance to see it. Now, we're going to get a chance to hear people, hear common folk weigh in on Oscar contenders all at once because this isn't a very this isn't a small, you know, Sundancey movie. It's a it's a it's a mid sized budget movie with movie stars playing very famous figures. It's it's similar to The Trial of the Chicago 7, but at least in that case, we knew that movie was always going to Netflix and people were always going to see it at home. This is one where we didn't know that was going to be the case and now they will. So, an interesting test case, an interesting experiment in American movie watching. I want to make a really obvious point that I was just reflecting on while you were speaking and I just want to say, can't wait to see this movie. I think it's fantastic that people will be able to see it. It I Again, Having access to movies right now, I'm very pro that because I like movies and it's really hard to see them anywhere else. Uh, This is a just the experiment they did as an advertisement for HBO Max. It's really working, huh? The number of times that you and I have already said available on HBO Max on so-and-so, we aren't being paid for this. And I, you know, you see why they do it. It made a lot of people very mad, but here we are. I believe that's the last HBO Max 
product I will be mentioning on this episode. However, you're right. It did work. But also one of the reasons it worked is that we know that these movies are coming out. Like Mm -hmm. we know we will see them as opposed to having to, you know, withhold or say like, oh, I hope so. Or, you know, like there are a couple of movies that are coming up that I'm going to mention that I hope come out. But just like No Time to Die, there's no guarantee that they will. Right. Anyhow, what's next on your list? I'm going to skip to one of the movies that I we didn't talk about on the last podcast, just for variety's sake. That film is uh, Malcolm and Marie, which you may have heard about, directed, written and directed by Sam Levinson and starring John David Washington and Zendaya. This is one of the made in quarantine films and kind of one of the one of the first and certainly one of the like prestigious films. And it is coming out on Netflix on February 5th. And I really enjoy everyone involved and I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, we're going to talk more about films made in quarantine and uh, films made with like a, a zoom element. And I, I don't know that that's going to be the case in Malcolm and Marie. And I think they're, they're going to be um, varying rewards to that experiment, but I'm excited to see this one. I think, you know, sometimes constraints can be a great thing for art. You know, I noticed not so surreptitiously, the uh, Hollywood Reporter's awards columnist and reporter Scott Feinberg put out his updated kind of listings, rankings of awards contenders in all the meaningful categories uh, at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm and Marie crept its way into the top 10 there, which yeah. I thought was very notable. I haven't seen this movie. You haven't seen this movie. I think we're both very much anticipating it. Very similarly, I wonder if the the COVID-19 production aspect of it will be a positive for it or a negative for it. Um, there, it's, it's tough. Like in, on, on the one hand, people may have heard Chris Ryan talk about the, the movie Host, the horror movie made over Zoom, which a lot of people loved and seemed to be a big success. On the other hand, I saw Songbird last year, the Michael Bay produced quarantine COVID movie. No bueno. You know, I didn't, it, it was not a distraction from my life. I thought it was ill-conceived as a movie in general. Um, there's another film coming uh, called Lockdown, uh, starring Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel Ejiofor on HBO Max. I'm sorry to say those words again, um, <laughs> in just a couple of weeks. So there is this, this wave of quarantine content. Now, whether or not Malcolm and Marie even addresses the idea of a pandemic, we don't even know. We just know that it's a film about two people in a relationship, basically, right? Yes, and I believe it was filmed kind of in one home. It kind of might be more bottle episode for lack of a better term than like zoomy. But, right. you know, I agree with you. Listen, I miss production values. I love movies filmed on location. I love movies as a, as a form of escapism. So I'm not necessarily looking to be reminded of the fact that I've spent the last year in my home and I'm possibly going to spend this year in my home. Um, at the same time, I, th- I think this benefits by going like first or at least early kind of in the, in the lockdown productions. So I'm I curious. I agree. I'm curious too. Another movie I'm very curious about that theoretically is coming very soon, March 19th, is called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. First of all, iconic title for a movie. Uh, anytime you can get six words in your title, you got to do it. Are there six <clears throat> words in that title? There are. Um, okay. I'm just going to read the, the log line of this movie, the summary of what happens in this movie. Are you ready? Yeah. A fictionalized, creatively unfulfilled Nicolas Cage, who in the face of financial ruin accepts a $1 million offer to attend the birthday party of a super fan played by Pedro Pascal. When things take a wildly dangerous turn, Cage is forced to live up to his own legend, 
channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. So, a challenge to you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. You've now got two and a half months to dig mm-hmm. into the cage crates to watch the great films of Nicolas Cage. Because if this movie comes out, we're doing a cage cast. This is going to be two hours of cage all of his finest works, all of his worst works. I don't have to do the impressions myself, right? <laughs> well, depends. I mean, rewatch okay. Embrace of the Vampire. Tell me if you feel like you need to channel his <laughs> essence. There's no guarantee that a, a Cage product in, in the 2020s is going to be good. But I like that he is always pushing the absolute limits of credulity. And uh, this movie sounds ridiculous. And I'm excited for it. It's, I guess it's opening in movie theaters. Uh, who, who the fuck knows? Who can know? This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you want to save money this year, I have a simple, surefire way to do it. Switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, their wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig inspires people of all ages to jump through life and its muddy puddles with enthusiasm. The relatable stories, oinks, and giggles have made her preschooler's first best friend, helping them navigate everyday life with unabashed exuberance. And now you can discover new playtime adventures with your little ones. Jump into spring and hunt for muddy puddles in Peppa's caravan playset. Hit the road for endless adventures and have heaps of fun with Peppa's whole family. Oinks and giggles are guaranteed. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence since 2004. Peppa Pig is a trademark of Hasbro, created by Mark Baker and Neville Astley. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Would I try to squeeze in an extra movie? Maybe try to read a book? The best way to squeeze that special thing in your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Big Picture today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Big Picture. Uh, what's next for you? I'm, I'm going back to the 2020 push to 2021. Well, a uh, little film called Deep Water. Directed by Adrian Lyon. You heard about this one? It's where Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas met over a year ago. Should it be called uh, like deep cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee at this point? I feel like if he's drowning in anything, it's all that D&D. Yeah, I, those photos, once again, Ben Affleck is the patron saint of this podcast. We love him. Uh, we wish him the best. This is, I, I believe, an erotic thriller starring Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. Sign me up. I've been signed up for like 18 months. I'm ready. <laughs> 
this is allegedly coming out um, in August on August 13th. And um, I'm let's go. I've also been revisiting the films of Adrian Lyne recently. Some of them are great and some of them are really, really lousy. Pretty fascinating. Great mm-hmm. stylist, great artist. Uh, but his his taste in material is hit or miss. And it's been a very long time since he's made a movie. So we shall see. I'm just happy these two found love. That's really all that matters to me. Yeah. It's a, it's a cold world out there. We all need to be heated up by beautiful actors and actresses in Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, my next film is called Black Widow. It's a MCU movie. Heard of it? Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me too. May 6th. This has been... I, this feels almost like um, like the chess piece that Disney was afraid to sort of remove the pawns from surrounding. You know, it, it, this is a movie that is... It's the single biggest movie that Disney is going to release in theaters since the pandemic began. But there's been very little conversation about it because I think there's concern that it may not be able to come into movie theaters in May 6th based on what's been going on in the world. And so it feels like we've been living with the anticipation of Black Widow for a very long time. Um, This movie is directed by Kate Shortland. It's, of course, about the Scarlett Johansson character and also introduces a character played by Florence Pugh. There's some speculation that this movie will be tied in with some of the TV series that we'll talk about on this show a little bit, WandaVision, which starts next week, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think there's some serious speculation that Falcon and Winter Soldier may feature some of the characters from Black Widow, which creates this difficulty, I think, in the release schedule. And if can the show come out, if the movie can't come out, and they really don't want to put this movie on Disney+, Plus, or they would have indicated that that was a possibility. So we'll see. I understand some of the sequencing difficulties that you were just referencing. And, you know, when we were talking about Wonder Woman 1984 and whenever we talk about, you know, Marvel versus DC, like the the Marvel kind of rigor and order of these things is, is very important to its success. But, you know, the anticipation for this one has not really bugged me the way the kind of anticipation and the, the kicking the football down the field um, has for other films just because we're so trained to be like, okay, well, another MCU installment's going to come at some point. Like, I, at some point, the, the story just kind of keeps going. They have established this world and, and something comes out and then the next thing comes out and then it'll be related to the other thing. And, you know, I we'll see it when we'll see it. And then there will be another one. I kind of like the inevitability of it to use, you know, your your guy. His it, name is Thanos. Mm-hmm. It makes My me guy. less anxious. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, there is a, you know, there's a steamroller quality to the MCU at this point. You know, there's a, there is an inevitability to it. So whether it comes May 6th or not, we're going to get it. It's not going to be a problem. Whether it's great, who the hell knows? I have, I don't, you know, I, I can't even think about that sort of thing anymore. Just, just, it's been, you know what is, is interesting? There just hasn't been an MCU thing in almost 18 months. That's, maybe it's not interesting, but it's it's extremely notable given its dominance in the culture. And so there's going to be a lot of expectations around these TV shows that are coming out in the spring and then this movie and whether they live up and whether this stuff still matters to people. I mean, it probably will, frankly. I, I think a lot of people have just been revisiting Marvel movies in quarantine and getting excited about stuff. But it's possible that it signals its moment passing or evolving or taking on a new importance. And so we'll just have to wait and see there. What's next for you? You want to have some fun? You want to do a joint one? Let's go. Let's do it. This is a shared enthusiasm. This is our number This is our number one most anticipated movie of 2021. I don't know what else to say. It's The Beatles, Get Back, the documentary by Peter Jackson. Let's go! Yes! <laughs> 
the nerdiest and saddest that you and I have ever been have been like slacking about the five minutes of footage that was released at like 745 in the morning, like two days before Christmas. And you and I were just like, yes, yes. Like I understand now all the Snyder Cut guys because I was just me being like, show me more. <sighs> so if you're a Beatles fan and obviously you and I are huge Beatles fans, I think we kind of feel like we've seen it all. You know, this is this is the most covered pop cultural artifact remnant of of the 1960s that, that you could possibly find. There have been documentaries and dozens of books and podcasts and anything that you want. And so I would say when I first heard that Peter Jackson was doing a Beatles doc, I was like, OK, interesting, but I don't really know what there is to say about it. And even all the way up until that moment that you, you were just describing when Peter Jackson decided to share with us five minutes of footage from the, from the sessions at the end of their run as the Beatles, um, I was like, you know, I'm sure this will be cool and I'll check it out. And then I saw the footage and I was like, let's fucking go. Let's go <laughs> with this movie. This movie, I want this movie right now. Because one, it looks like the opposite of what we saw in the Let It Be documentary about the band at the end when things were not going well, which is a movie mm -hmm. that kind of indicates like the disillusion of not just the band, but friendships and relationships. And, you know, it, it's, it's a movie that is very tough on Yoko Ono and her influence on John Lennon. And the footage that Jackson shared was like a, was like a shotgun blast of joy. You know, it was like, it was the four scamps hanging out, being creative together, making cool stuff, which I just, I, I know is going to make me happy. So, and I know it's going to make you happy too. So I just wish, I wish they would put this movie on a streaming service today. I could use it today. I could too. Do you think it's done? I don't really think it's possible, but I, as, as soon as they're ready. Well, as Peter Jackson pointed out, I think he pointed this out in his video introduction. COVID is at, a, at an all-time low in New Zealand where he lives. And so he's fortunate to be able to be working and in the editing suite working on the film. So, you know, it's planned for August 27th which is a long time from now. Um, can they move it up a month and then it can be our birthday celebration? Oh, that would be, uh, that would be nice. That, that would be, be really nice. nice. Wouldn't it? Just, yeah. just a thought. Can I share one more unrelated thing? Um, of course. When I was thinking about this film, I was also thinking about the film yesterday and just the ending of yesterday and how I lost my mind. Cause I've been trying to understand kind of all of the, the online wonder woman people just going nuts. And I, I think that was the closest I've ever come to it. Right. Of just being like, this doesn't make sense for the, for this film. And you had this great premise and none of it makes any sense. So I'm sympathetic to people and I'm looking forward to having some of that balance with this documentary. It will hopefully make up for the yesterday experience. Yeah. You know, when we did our Don't uh, You Blew It episode, Bobby Wagner pointed out that if that movie had been released in that year, that would have been the ultimate, like you blew it with the premise kind of a movie because it was a, it was a rich opportunity that did not live up. My next movie is called Old. Now, I'm, I'm sharing this with some reluctance and some trepidation. Old is the new movie from M. Night Shyamalan. You know, I don't think that you and I have discussed M. Night Shyamalan on this podcast together. What, you're, you're making an Amanda face. You're making a like... <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, what I was actually thinking about, and I think you'll make a similar face, is um, my husband is from Philadelphia. And so I go to Philadelphia from time to time. And in the Philadelphia airport, 
<laughs> between terminals, there are like various like Hall of Fames to Philadelphians or whatever. And there is like a, if you're on one of those like walking escalators, whatever those are called, you just kind of go by like the very small, pathetic Hall of Fame to M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> In like between Terminal B and C, like near the legal seafood at the Philadelphia airport. And I, that's what I had to say about M. Night Shyamalan. It's really funny you say that. I always, whenever I see those hall, halls of fame, I always look for the filmmakers like an absolute loser. Like when I went to Stockholm, I, you know, walked all through the halls to look for Ingmar Bergman. The idea of IDing M. Night in, in the Philly airport is, is, is pretty sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I am, I am a fan, not a fan of everything that he does, but I, I appreciate, especially with some, some hindsight on everything he's been doing over the last 20 plus years, the, the M. Night Shyamalan journey, the mission to, to make a certain kind of movie, which is a movie that does not exist as much anymore, which is the thriller. He is like, he is bound and determined to keep making thrillers. And some of those thrillers have to have superhero elements to be made or horror elements or supernatural elements, but he's he just keeps making thrillers. He's making another thriller that's called Old. I don't know what the premise of the movie is. It's based on a graphic novel that I haven't read. It's not part of the surprise uh, like sequel that James McAvoy was a part of a couple years ago. I do not believe this has anything to do with Split or Glass or Unbreakable. I think this is a standalone. The cast of this movie is very good. In the cast of this film, Gail Garcia Barnal, Eliza Scanlon, Thomason McKenzie, Vicky Crapes, Alex Wolf, and Beth Davids, Rufus Sewell, Ken Lung. Ken Lung recently of Industry, which is one of my favorite shows. So, bang up collection of people. And then, the, you know, all the below the line people are the typical M. Night crew. Will it be bad? I don't know. It's like a coin flip every time you sit down in an M. Night movie. It could be really fun. I really liked Split and I really did not like Glass. So we'll see what happens. This movie comes out on my birthday weekend, July 23rd, 2021. Oh, okay. Like we'll be able to have a party. Okay. Good point. What's Um, next for you? My next, I'm going back to 2020 to 2021. Uh, It's King Richard, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green. This is a film about Richard Williams, father of Serena and Venus Williams, starring Will Smith. I want to see this movie. It will apparently be released on HBO Max. No free ads uh, in November. We'll see. Yeah, sounds good. I'm a subscriber to HBO Max. (laughs) Next for me is another movie that we've been hearing a lot about that ostensibly is also coming out the following weekend after my birthday uh, and the weekend of your birthday, which is called The Green Knight. This is a movie directed by David Lowery, released by A24, starring Dev Patel. I would say on film Twitter, this is one of the most anticipated movies of the year. I don't know what to expect. David Lowry, a terrific director of A Ghost Story and Pete's Dragon and a number of other films. He's been on the show a few times. Um, lovely guy, really talented filmmaker. I think it was announced that he's making another Disney adaptation for Disney+. And he is having this really interesting career where he's basically doing one for them, one for me, in the most overt way you could ever imagine. He's making v- very artistic, experimental, abstract in many ways films for A24 and then taking the check from Disney to make Kids Fair and somewhat challenging Kids Fair, but Kids Fair nonetheless. I admire his ability to bounce between those two worlds. Hopefully The Green Knight is wonderful. That's on July 30th in theaters. What's next for you? Uh, My next 
You know what? This was also moved from 2020 to 2021, and it wasn't my most anticipated last year, and now it's my most anticipated, and I don't know what that says. I think it says a little bit about my personal desperation and hunger for comfort foods and also the type of films that I want to see at home, and also just because I think this would be a really great home movie, and just please release Death on the Nile on Disney Plus already. Just do it, and you'll get a lot of old people to watch Disney Plus, and please give us this adaptation. This does feel like it would work really well on a streamer, right? Yeah, it does. I think it would probably work better on a streamer. I'm going to be very honest with you. This is the second Hercule Poirot adaptation directed by Kenneth Branagh. The first was Murder on the Orient Express, which you and I saw in Pasadena with a bunch of old folks. And they were really lovely. And I had a great time watching with them. And also I could have watched it in my home. I think it would honestly benefit a bit by being watched at home. Um, I don't know why they don't do this. Yeah. I think obviously movie theaters in particular are not safe for those who are uh, more potentially vulnerable to the virus. And this is the, I mean, you know, there's a reason that Miss Marple and Poirot and Masterpiece Theater and all of these series are so successful on television and Midsummer Murders and all of those shows, which this is in the vein of. Now, this is obviously a, a more highly polished and more extravagant film with a big, you know, somewhat famous cast, but it's still a movie that takes, it's a murder mystery. It takes place on a boat. Like, just put the movie on TV. This is a rare yeah. case where they should just do that. Oh, yeah. So I was surprised to learn, and I hope that this stays true, that a movie called 3,000 Years of Longing comes out this year. This is George Miller's new movie, his first movie since Mad Max Fury Road um, that stars Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Now, we've heard that the movie Furiosa, which I think is supposed to star Anya Taylor-Joy, um, which is a prequel to Mad Max Fury Road, is coming in the future. And Miller is reuniting the whole production team from Mad Max Fury Road. Obviously, one of the great movies of the 21st century. We love it on this show. But this is a movie he's doing in between the two. And in doing so, he has also reunited that same group of people, including John Seal, arguably the greatest living cinematographer. And he's shooting 3,000 Years of Longing. And I think I think the production wrapped, and which means this movie will come out this year. I hope that that's true. Um, obviously, Miller is legendary. And I think a lot is a little bit... Maybe not understood in full. So I think he would be a fun person to talk about at some point on this show because in addition to the Mad Max movies, he's also been a part of the Babe movies and he's been a part of um, the Witches of Eastwick. And he's, he's made a, he has a really fascinating career um, who, that would be fun to talk about. So I hope 3,000 Years of Longing comes along. That's certainly what this list feels like, right? 3,000 Years of Longing for the Beatles get back. At least, yeah. What's next for you? Going back to 2020, I'm sorry for being unimaginative, but I, you know, have to, I have to be honest. I have to share my heart. This is a little movie called The French Dispatch from Wes Anderson. It's uh, supposed to come out this year, though it's undated. Like, is it going to? I don't know. I hope so. I'd like to see it. You would like to see it, I think. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't it be wonderful if they would just release this movie too. This is a tricky one because it's released by Searchlight and Searchlight, of course, was acquired by Disney in 2018. And it seemed like when the Grand Budapest Hotel came along, Wes Anderson had officially arrived as not just a, a revered and celebrated artist, but as like a, a someone a, like a box office contender. You know, that movie made a lot of money worldwide. And so there is now expectation in that respect around his films. And this film, it looks like it's, you know, not wasn't cheaply made and it has all of the 
the period and production design touches that we come to expect from a Wes Anderson movie. And so I don't know, it just feels like, and, and I'm, and frankly, we know Wes loves movie theaters and loves the movie theater experience. And I'm sure he's been holding out and pushing hard for it coming out in theaters. It's another, it's like, this is, this is kind of my version of the Black Widow anticipation. I feel like I've been waiting on this movie for five years and yeah. we haven't had a live action uh, Wes Anderson movie in, in a long time. I Love Dogs obviously came out a few years ago, but I, I don't know. Hope we get it soon. Hope, hope this works out. It's, is it undated right now? I found Coming Soon, which was, uh, is it coming soon? I'm not sure. That's a real bummer. Should I react in real time to the news that Francisco Lindor was just acquired by the New York Mets? Does that mean anything to you out loud? This is amazing that that, that Bobby is not even producing this show. Shout out Steve Allman, who's filling in for him today. Mel literally has been slacking me, like telling, telling you to answer your phone. <laughs> I uh, who so I, I I understand I know who the New York Mets are and I understand that you're you're deep and unhealthy attachment to them. Would you like to shed light on the rest of that sentence? Uh, Francesco Lindor is the erstwhile shortstop for the Cleveland Indians and and probably one of the ten best players in baseball. And okay. the Mets just traded for him, and it seems like the deal was a very very good deal for the Mets. And I'm 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 on the verge of tears. This guy's 27 years old and an absolute elite talent. This is fucking fantastic. Uncle okay. Steve Cohen has come to save the day. In addition to buying the New York Mets, Steve Cohen should buy all the movie companies and let me run the movie studios. That's my next request. Can it happen? Uh, why not? I'm happy um, for you. That's You seem happy. I Amanda, just You're a baseball fan. You have to understand this is a big deal. Are you fucking kidding me? I know it's a big deal. I listen to you whine about this stuff all day, every day, and Bobby, and then I get it, like Philadelphia in my own home. And it's just, I live and die by what these old men in front offices do every day. I know it's a big deal. I'm really happy for you. I like watching baseball. That is true. You know, I'm from Atlanta, so I have a different opinion about the Mets, but that's okay. You guys deserve your moment to shine too. Maybe it'll come one day, maybe this year. I'm tempted to knock off one of my films on my list and put down Mets 2021 season as my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, This is a movie podcast. Okay. (laughs) That's right. Steve Cohen's making a movie. Let's go. Just kidding. Speaking of my other uh, secret dad, Paul Thomas Anderson has a movie that I think is coming out that is tentatively titled Soggy Bottom, though I do not think that that's going to be the title of the film. He shot it also during COVID-19 and the film stars Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, whose name I believe is Cooper. That's pretty much all we know about. It's 1970s period piece. Bradley Cooper also appears in the movie and it seems to be about the high school years in, in Southern California there's been some comparisons to Days of Confused. We really don't know anything about the movie. PTA, obviously, is quite secretive, but Ben Affleck is the patron saint of the big picture. PTA is the Pope. He's the Pope of the big picture. So at some point, we should just kind of do like the official offices of this podcast, you know, because yeah. we've got a patron saint and a dad and a Pope <laughs> and some wives and some sisters, That's and, right. you know, yeah. like we, we need could like do a transportation a secretary. Yeah. <laughs> Our own cabinet. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, Okay, what's next for you? So I got two here, and I say this with a huge amount of respect for Sir Ridley Scott, who is one of the great directors and also the king of getting things done. But I don't know if either of these are going to be done. There are currently, allegedly, two Ridley Scott movies on dated for 2021. One of them is The Last Duel, starring uh, patron saint Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And the other is a movie that was just announced in the last month, which is um, Gucci, which uh, stars Lady Gaga. 
and Jeremy Irons and Adam Driver and Jared Leto and Al Pacino, among other people. So Gucci is a movie that came together in December and is supposed to start production after the last duel finishes. And the last duel was supposed to go back into production in December. So this seems pretty impossible to me, just in terms of production, you know, is currently halted here in Los Angeles. And obviously um, the last duel was filming in Ireland. People can film other places, but it seems pretty hard to both finish the last duel and then do a whole other movie and get it done by the end of the year. However, if anyone could do it, it would be Ridley Scott. You know, we were just talking about Ridley on the episode earlier this week with Chris, because we were talking about Blade Runner and Kingdom of Heaven and all these director's cuts that he does. And Chris was joking that Ridley is 100 years old, but Ridley is actually 83 years old. He's 83 years old and he's in production on two major films, which is during a pandemic, which is just wild shit. I mean, truly one of the hardest working men in show business. I mean, remember all the money in the world when he's like, no problem. I'll just refilm it in like 10 days. And then he did. He's really, really something. It's it's an unusual kind of productivity for him because he's not working on a small scale. He's working on a massive scale and he has so much clout that he's able to kind of will the industry in his direction in a way that like very few filmmakers are. I'm psyched about both of these movies. Um, They, you know, the last duel feels like a, almost like an end cap on his first film, which is called The Duelists, which is a little little scene movie. Um, And I thought that there was a chance that that would be the last thing that he would ever do. And of course, no, like three months later, he's like, I'm making a Gucci movie. So shout out to Ridley Scott. Looking forward to both of those. Next on my list is, I I did mention this movie briefly in the the 2020 episode of this show. And then it became a bit of a... um, I don't know, a a cause celeb, a hot button issue. The movie is The Card Counter. This is Paul Schrader's first film since First Reformed, which of course is one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Schrader was shooting this movie, which stars Oscar Isaac as a poker player. If you can imagine a movie that is more in my zone, I, I, I can't think of one right now. And the movie got shut down because of the COVID-19 outbreak. And when it got shut down, Paul Schrader was really, really angry. And he felt like he was being persecuted in some ways. He was concerned that people were not taking enough care. He was also concerned that there was an overreaction. Paul Schrader, of course, in addition to being one of the great screenwriters and filmmakers, is a a bit of an internet personality. Um, He is a legendary Facebook poster and occasionally a poster of controversial and sometimes ill-considered thoughts. Um, Nevertheless, they found a way to get this movie back and going, the production of it. And they did finish production. And I believe the movie is being edited now, which leads me to believe that if it finds a distribution home, and I don't think it has one at the moment, or maybe it did go to focus, I can't remember. Either way, it's coming out this year. Poker movie, Oscar Isaac, Paul Schrader, the absolute moral despair of being alive in the world. Those are the things that you can count on in this movie, and I'm fired up for the card counter. I love Oscar Isaac, so I and I like it when you're happy. Um, so <laughs> good you? luck to the good luck to the Mets, and good luck to the card counter. Um, uh, the card we'll counter, see. Steve Cohen. Let's go. Okay. All right. What's next for you? My next is uh, Don't Look Up, the new Adam McKay film, which is coming out on Netflix at uh, some point. And I'm just going to read the cast so far of this film. Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Timothy Chalamet, Jonah Hill, Rob Morgan, Kid Cudi, Himesh Patel, Kate Blanchett, Kit Evans, Chris Evans, Melanie Linsky, uh, and Ariana Grande. 
great. I'm a huge fan of Adam McKay's work. Uh, and he's obviously, he's doing a lot of things right now. He's like making podcasts, doing like, a, he does seem um, like he has a lot going on, but um, I, I, I like this cast and I enjoy his sensibility and could use a little bit of, a little bit more of wry cynicism in my life. I have plenty, don't worry, but um, more is always welcome. Do we know what this movie is about? I think it's about... To, I think it's a farce and it's about two astronomers who are trying to warn the world about some sort of astro, you know, some sort of planetary thing, but not in a midnight sky way, in like okay. a serious way, in a, in a jokey way. So it will be like, it's like an ecological satire. I, I think so. But again, I haven't seen this movie and mostly have just looked at paparazzi photos of Jennifer Lawrence wearing like a puffer in between like filming on set, you know? been a long time since jennifer lawrence did anything that's true i look forward to this also fascinating in a movie like this this will be leonardo dicaprio's first netflix movie if i'm not mistaken which is, is certainly something reality comes for everyone i guess it certainly does my next movie i guess this is my last film is the northman which is another movie that was able to operate in production during COVID 19 this is the new movie from robert eggers it is a viking tale it, similarly to Don't Look Up, has an extraordinary cast, particularly if you're a fan of Robert Eggers' movies. He made The Lighthouse and The Witch. He is reuniting with Anya Taylor-Joy for this movie. He's also reuniting with Willem Dafoe. In addition to those two, he is bringing in the Norse god, Alexander Skarsgård, who of course has to appear in a Viking film. He's playing a character named Amleth. Nicole Kidman is playing a character called Queen Gudrun. Dafoe's character is Hymir the Fool. Remember when you wanted to buy the light and then the light turned out to be like 8,000 pounds. Uh, yes, I did want to buy the light from the lighthouse. As a measure of weight, not like 8,000 British pounds. You know what? Honestly, I think that that whole, that whole bit, that whole gimmick was me testing the waters to see if we have any financially independent benefactors out in the world. <laughs> just to see if there was someone who happens to have eight grand lying around for an 8,000 pound light from a lighthouse. Okay. And uh, it turns out we don't. I, we don't okay. have any extraordinarily rich fans out there, which sucks. And then, you know, no one is being judged for the amount of wealth that they have in the world. But if you happen to have a lot of wealth and you want to support the peccadillos of, of me and Amanda, come through. I, I think that's true. I think also, ultimately, it wasn't just wealth. It was also a logistical challenge because it was revealed that there was no place to put the light because it was like a light for a lighthouse, like a, a giant light. And so we needed someone with like a storage warehouse and, you know, all sorts of, and then that raises a lot of questions. So, but again, if you're out there and you have financial and logistical solutions for, you know, us or really for anything else in the world at this point, please let us know. We need you. I know that, I, you know, I was joking about buying the light, but I had a like a real and true conversation with Eileen about it. <laughs> and I was like, let's just let's just think about it. Like, maybe we could just put it in the garage, you know, like maybe there's a reason to get this light. And uh, she, I don't think she appreciated that. And then when I learned that it was 8,000 pounds, she was like, I think she was seriously considering divorce. It was just, <laughs> I, just, just because I seem really dumb and I am really dumb. Um, I'm not done talking about the, the cast members from the North. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I neglected to mention that Clace Bang is playing a character called Feng and that <laughs> Bjork, the Icelandic pop star, is playing a character called the Slav Witch. So sign me up for the Northman ASAP. All right. I love Bjork. 
I, I love all of the people that you just uh, named it, and then their weird character names too. I, I hope they had fun. I hope so too. Okay. You've got one more. What is it? Yeah. I added one more. It's called Don't Worry Darling, directed by Olivia Wilde. Perhaps you've heard about this film in the last week. Because this is the new Deep Water, right? Because it's Truly. two very famous people uh, making a film and then uh, debuting their love uh, via the paparazzi. I'm talking, of course, of Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. I liked Booksmart a lot. So I, and I love kind of paparazzi tours and celebrity. This is also kind of intergenerational celebrities meeting, which is very fascinating to me watching kind of the last week all play out. Great stuff. I'm also a huge fan of Harry Styles, the person, while just like having absolutely no knowledge of his music, like none at all. You could play me a Harry Styles song and I would be like, I don't know what that is. So I'm looking forward to the opportunity to interact with Harry Styles in a non-music way. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. One of my the lasting memories of 2020 for me was the Dunkirk pod with Quentin Tarantino, where mm-hmm. I got to explain to him who Harry Styles is. <laughs> that was very good. That was a good, good time. I, I hope this is good. I it certainly feels like a um as much a a this relationship feels like a marketing campaign for the film, but you yeah, know, of course. Love, love is love and it it finds itself in all different mm-hmm. kinds of ways. Um no, there's a, that's there's, not new and also why not? No, not at all. There are a ton of other movies that are maybe hopefully kind of sort of coming out. Obviously, there's no way to predict any of this stuff, but few honorable mentions I can just note quickly by breaking all of my rules and naming ultimately 45 movies on this podcast. No Sudden Move, the big homie Steven Soderbergh has an HBO Max movie. And um, let's just talk quickly about his his uh, diary. I'm so glad I wanted to. Go ahead. Well, I just, you know, the the biggest flex of the year so far is Soderbergh identifying that he began production on No Sudden Move on September 28th and that he had a screening of the film on November 14th. That means he completed the film and watched the film in six weeks. What a legend. My feelings about Steven Soderbergh are well-documented. I will just add that once again, my guy's taste in fiction. He is out here making movies, watching entire seasons of Below Deck, rewatching, you know, all of the great cinema and reading short stories, which is the only person I know who reads short stories. Um, But also just very much engaged both with kind of the highbrow literary fiction of the moment and just like, reading book club books like he could join my book club my guy did read the new ton of french before me thank you to everyone by the way who wants to join the mystery book club which i will be forming when steven soderbergh gets in touch and we <laughs> will discuss ton of french louise penny kate atkinson you name it we're on it so very quickly no sudden move like a few of the other films we've been mentioning here extraordinary cast including Soderbergh reuniting with a couple of iconic figures from his past, including Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. This movie also stars Amy Simons, John Hamm, Ray Liotta, Kieran Culkin, Brendan Fraser, Bill Duke, Frankie Shaw, Julia Fox, Matt Damon. Here's the logline. Set in 1955 in Detroit, no sudden move centers on a group of small-time criminals who are hired to steal what they think is a simple document. When their plan goes horribly wrong... Their search for who hired them and for what ultimate purpose weaves them through all echelons of the race-torn, rapidly changing city. So this movie sounds like Out of Sight meets Ocean's Eleven meets Traffic. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, that's one honorable mention. Wendell and Wilde is a movie I wrote down, which is the long-in-production Netflix stop-motion animation movie from Henry Selleck, 
who is one of the icons of stop motion animation, a person, one of the first people I ever interviewed in my career in 2004. I can't even remember what film it was that he had out at the time. Henry Selleck famed for his participation in movies like Nightmare Before Christmas and some of the Leica films that have come out over the years. Total, absolute genius. Um, and the idea of him getting carte blanche to make a stop motion movie for Netflix featuring two characters who are voiced by Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key as Wendell and Wilde. Um, very exciting for me personally. So I'm fired up about that. There's some other stuff. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, it seems like, is finally happening with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. That's supposed to come in the spring. Karen Kusama's making a Dracula movie that apparently is very faithful to Bram Stoker's Dracula, a book I studied in college at length. I took an entire class about Dracula, the novel. Um, so I'm Why? looking forward to that. What? Why? Dracula well, just, is wonderful. Uh, sure. And I think it's great when you read books, especially fiction. But how did you come to take that particular course? Like, how I did it to, fit into I, your program of study? Well, I was, uh, at the time I was a double major in English and I had taken a horror fiction class and I was trying to figure out like what my, fo the focus of my major was going to be. Um, and so I took a Dracula class out shortly thereafter. And honestly, I just didn't love it as much as the horror fiction class, but it was, I learned a lot. I learned a lot and we screened like probably 10 or 12 va vampire and Dracula movies, which obviously was delightful for me. A couple of other movies, next goal wins Taika Waititi's next movie. Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's next movie. Jonathan Glazer, the director of Birth and Under the Skin and Sexy Beast, finally, finally, finally has another movie coming out, hopefully in 2021. That's a lot of movies. Anything, any other honorable mentions for you? No, I think, I think we covered it. I, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I'm trying to like be optimistic, look forward to films, and also know that it's, it's not just a hard time to release films, but it's a hard time to make them. And it's like... I. I, I want people to be safe, so I might just have to wait a bit more. I want people to be safe too. What are what are we doing on this show in the future? We got we got new episodes next week. We're going to talk about Tiger. Everybody should watch Tiger over the weekend. I believe it airs Sunday and Monday, which will lead elegantly into a conversation about it for the Tuesday episode of this podcast. Maybe we'll talk about some sports documentaries. How much golf are we going to do? I'm glad you asked that because it's not really a golf movie. You know, it's a it's a movie about a father and a son. It's a movie about a, a family man. It's a movie about a person's own inner turmoil and the drive to succeed and a number of other themes. There's golf in it, but like, like golf analysis of Tiger Woods, like conversation about Tiger Woods as a golfer is incredibly banal because he's just so, so awesome. He's just so good. See, I'm aware of that, but also this is not a Mets podcast. So, and you just did a whole thing. So I just kind of wanted to set some ground rules. And I also wanted the people no. to understand that I will be playing the role of person who is surrounded by idiots who think <laughs> golf is awesome. And golf I, is awesome. It is the most boring thing in the entire world. So trust that there will be other elements. Obviously, Tiger is responsible for bringing you know, cool is probably overstating things, but like a measure of power and athletic, uh, uh, you know, an overwhelming athletic force to the sport. And I wonder if when you watch the movie, that will resonate with you. Like if you'll be like, wow, he, I could see how special he was in this time. Cause I know you weren't watching it as closely in like 2002. No, but I was aware of it. And even when he won the masters, was that last, that was 2019. Yeah. You know, there was like a real, cinematic and kind of extra textual, like beyond just the sports element to it that I think he was a pop cultural phenomenon even before 
all of the scandal, which was its own hugely fascinating tabloid moment that I obviously have a tremendous number of thoughts about. So. Well, we'll be able to talk about that and much more next week on The Big Picture. Amanda, thank you. Thank you to Steve Allman for filling in. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.